Welcome back. Welcome back to the Hoop Games Podcast for Episode 8. I'm your host, Jonathan Welch. In this episode, I am ranking the all-time number 21 player as of 2020. We are detailing the stats and stories around Oscar Robertson, talking through his inputs in the model and his ranking, as well as running a few game model simulations that include what if Oscar Robertson wins a championship as the lead guy in Cincinnati? Where would he land? The next one we'll do, what if Oscar Robertson didn't miss the playoffs in the three years prior to going to Milwaukee? We will investigate this. And the final one we will do, what if Oscar Robertson won the 1971 Finals MVP instead of Kareem? Oscar Robertson was the original triple-double king, the first and only to average a triple-double prior to Russell Westbrook doing so 54 years later. In Robertson's triple-double season, he averaged 31, 13, and 11 on 48% and 80% splits. The three-point line did not exist during the 1961-62 season, not being adopted until the 1979-1980 season, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson's rookie year. During this season, he would lead the Cincinnati Royals to their first winning seasons, first winning season in eight years. He had 181 career triple doubles in 1,040 career games, or roughly one out of every six games. Russell Westbrook, for comparison, has 182 in 943 games, one in every five games, and eclipsing Oscar's record in 100 less games, an impressive feat from both players. Per basketballreference.com, if you combine his first six, se- first six seasons, Oscar's first six seasons, he averages 30 points per game, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, on 48% and 83%. So he averaged a triple-double over his first six seasons in the NBA. Unreal. Nicknamed the Big O, many say he was the first great big guard at 6'5", somewhere between 210 and 220 pounds, with the ability to score in the paint or post up and led his team in rebounding. According to American Sports Digest, point guards prior to 1960 were typically six feet tall and one of the last scoring options for an offense, until Oscar came along and changed the game and became one of the most well-rounded players in history. According to an ESPN article, quote, long before the moves had names, Robertson invented them. The head fake that led to driving layups, the ability to decide in midair whether to pass or shoot, the arsenal of shots that included a radar-like fadeaway jumper, end quote. A quote from Nate Archibald, Hall of Famer, as noted, as noted in Who's Better, Who's Best, quote, I got a chance to play against him as a point guard. He was the best all-around player ever. He was a great rebounder, defensive player, best at running a team. Triple doubles, you name it, he could do it, end quote. John Havlicek and Jerry West would both state that Oscar Robertson was the best player they ever played against. When Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was asked by Dan Patrick how he feels about people saying Michael Jordan was the best player ever, he responded, quote, those people probably didn't watch Oscar Robertson play, end quote. Of course, as many of you know, Oscar and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar were teammates for the 1971 championship, so maybe there is some Kareem bias here, but either way, high praise from some of the greatest players to ever play. With a unique jump shot, Oscar Robertson would release his offhand just a split second earlier than his conventional turning his jump shot into almost a floater-like shot with a high release point. For an article from SportingNews.com, despite the unique jump shot, Oscar Robertson led the NBA in true shooting percentage in his rookie season, and over the next nine seasons, he would finish second or third in true shooting percentage, and would trail only Wilt Chamberlain in terms of PER over the 1960s. 
just one of the very efficient players of his era. During a run-through of his career accomplishments, Oscar was the first player selected in the 1960 NBA draft in a class with Jerry West, who was drafted right behind Oscar and whose careers are linked in numerous ways, and Lenny Wilkins. He was technically drafted before the draft, though, as this draft pick was a territorial pick, a pre-1966 setup where teams could draft local college players within a 50-mile radius of a pro team's home arena by forfeiting its first-round pick. Other notable territorial picks include Wilt Chamberlain, Tommy Heinsohn, Gail Goodrich, Paul Arison, Jerry Lucas, Tom Gola, Bill Bradley, and more. Wilt Chamberlain and Oscar Robertson are the only two territorial picks to win the MVP award. Oscar Robertson's alma mater, University of Cincinnati, had the most territorial picks, going to the Cincinnati Royals just like Oscar did. Robinson is third all-time in assists per game behind Magic Johnson and John Stockton, and seventh in total career assists, but will likely be passed by LeBron on the total assists list soon. Per an article by NBA.com, some argue that his assists may even be understated, as they were given out less generously in that era compared to the modern game. Ben Taylor notes on Backpicks.com, though, that Oscar Robinson's assists per 75 possessions usually hovered between 5.9 and 7.5 assists while Magic Johnson and Steve Nash hovered somewhere around 12, with John Stockton leading at 13.6. So the answer is probably in the middle, with Oscar likely missing out on some assists relative to, to the new age criteria, but probably not enough to jump all of the folks in front of him on the assist per game or assist totals lists. For example, a 5% increase in assists per game and total assists would lead Oscar to jump all the way from 7th to 3rd on the all-time assist total list behind Stockton and Kidd, only, but he would maintain his spot of third all-time in the assist per game ranking. Having said that, as pointed out on Johnny Arnett's YouTube channel on, quote, how good was Oscar Robertson really, end quote, and mentioned in the intro episode, different errors can lead to different basic statistics among players, like the assist comment above. From the video, a line states that back in, the, back in Big, o, Big O's era, the pace was faster and more shots were attempted, which leads to more rebounds, which could have inflated Oscar's rebounds. Despite this, it was still rare for a guard to average over 10 rebounds per game. The Big O was recently passed and is now sitting in second on the all-time regular season triple-double list, as he was passed by Russell Westbrook in the current season. The Big O ranks 15th all-time on the scoring list and 9th on the all-time per-game scoring list. He's a 12-time All-Star, 11-time All-NBA selection, with nine first teams, all in a row, in his first nine years, and two second teams the following two seasons. He's one of eight players in NBA history, excluding ABA and BAA, to make the first team All-NBA in their rookie season, with Bob Pettit, Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain, Alex Groza, Rick Barry, Larry Bird, and Tim Duncan. When you look at players who made the first team in their first nine seasons, that list is only three people, Bob Pettit, Larry Bird, and Oscar Robertson. Really good company. He won one MVP, and from 1960 to 1968, Oscar Robertson was the only player to win an MVP outside of Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell. He would also win one championship later in his career with, with Milwaukee when he teamed up with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar after a trade from the Royals. Outside of the on-floor contributions, the Big O, as president of the NBPA, helped pave the way for basketball free agency, something that, if it existed during his career, probably could have helped his ranking as it may have limited the talent gap between the Celtics, 
than the rest of the NBA, as Celtics had numerous Hall of Famers for the decade with no real player movement in that era. We will now hop into the model looking at Big O's metrics to see why the model says Oscar Robertson is 21st all-time. Looking at player performance points, Oscar Robertson ranks 29th all-time at 101.3 PPP, the longevity metric, playing 14 seasons, with five seasons scored eight or higher, and four seasons between seven and eight. He's one of only 17 players to ever score an eight or higher in five or more seasons. Only 23 have ever scored a seven or higher in nine or more seasons, and Oscar is tied with Shaq and Moses Malone on this metric. For this episode, we will be looking at the five point guards in the top 27, the same group we talked about in the Steph Curry and Chris Paul episodes. As we haven't revealed the other two yet, we will refer to them as the five point guards. The Big O ranks second of the five point guards on the longevity metric, behind only Chris Paul. Looking at regular season peak, Oscar Robertson has the 19th highest graded peak, peaking 1962 through 1967, with his top six seasons all happening in his first seven years. His first seven years, he scored 7.95 or higher, and with five straight over eight. He was also named to the first team All-NBA every year, peaking at a 8.775 graded score in 1963-1964, the year he won MVP. There have only been 40 instances across basketball history of an 8.775 score performance or higher, done by 16 players. Of the point guard group, only Chris Paul, who's done it four times, and Steph Curry, who's done it twice, have more than Oscar. He ranks fourth of the, fi- of the five point guards in the top 27 on this metric, trailing the two with multiple MVPs, and even Chris Paul, who did not win an MVP, but trails him by less than 0.1 PPP. Looking at the consistency and durability metric, PPP per year, Robertson only missed out on 2.13 PPP over 14 years, missing 17 and 18 games respectively in two years. Still a really good percentage, just barely misses out on the max indicator by four and five games and could have kept all the points, which would have been almost Carl Malone-like in terms of durability, at least in the model. As we detailed in the Malone episode, he almost deserves bonus points for longevity. The Big O had an interesting regular season trend. After starting his career with all NBA first teams and with performances over 7.95, he peaked in in only his fourth year at age 25 when he won the MVP with with the 8.775 score performance. After that, he would have a steady decrease over the rest of his career in terms of graded performances, excluding lost points for indicators, scoring less or tying every season afterwards, going from 8.775 to 8.225 to 8, etc., all the way to his last season with a 5.275. So no real drastic decreases all at once, just a slow and steady decline after his fourth season. Robertson's solid longevity and high-scoring graded performances, particularly his early years, he ranks 14th in NBA history at 7.24 PPP per year, which is good for second of the five-point guards. Now, similar to what we mentioned in the Carl Malone episode, six of the 13 players above him are active, So in theory, Robertson could still move up in retirement with the active players falling with their less efficient years coming up. Looking at regular season gold, Oscar Robertson had 12 all-star appearances at one half point each, nine all-NBA first teams at 1.5 points each, two second teams at 1.25 points each, and one MVP at three points each, which totals 25 points. 
This is good good for tied for 19th all-time, ranking between Dirk Nowitzki and Jerry West, his 1960 draft mate, ranking back-to-back in this metric. This 19th ranking all-time is good for second among the five-point guards. Looking at career PER, the Big O ranks 24th all-time in career PER, sandwiched between Kawhi Leonard and Dwayne Wade. He ranks 4th among the point guards in this metric. For career win share per 48, Oscar Robertson ranks 22nd in history, tied with Steph Curry and just above Karl Malone. Despite this, though, he's ranked 5th among the 5-point guards. For star teammate help, Oscar Robertson scores 33.25 on star teammate help, an average of 2.375, which is 3rd highest of the top 27. He played with an all-star in every year of his career, and also played with MVP Kareem in 3 seasons, a stretch where Kareem won 3 of 4 MVPs. Oscar Robertson is the only player in the top 27 to have an MVP winning teammate three times. As a result of playing with an MVP three seasons and playing with at least an all-star every year, he's had the most star teammate help than the other four point guards. For total teammate help, Robertson scores 35.3 total teammate help, which is the second lowest of the top 27, with only Wilt Chamberlain Chamberlain having less help than Oscar Robertson among the players we are ranking and only by the slightest of margins, 35.3 to 35.1. Robertson's 35.3 score trails Steph Curry, for example, by 6.4 points, which is the equivalent of Klay Thompson's average in his top three regular season performances. So a pretty important player was missing from Robertson's teams relative to Curry's. An interesting data point is that in in Cincinnati, his average help was 31.9, but in Milwaukee, it was 43.8. 43.8 is almost the exact amount of help that Curry had on the 2017-2018 Warriors that featured Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, and Andre Iguodala. Robertson's Cincinnati days really lowered his average, and it was helped later in his career with Milwaukee, but not enough to offset the low help for most of his career uh, with the Royals. As a result of his second lowest total teammate help of all players, he obviously scores the least teammate help of the five point guards in the top 27. The lower teammate help and lower playoff teammate help, which we'll get to in a bit, is a large factor in why the Big O was not able to achieve more playoff success during his 20s, given the Royals would run into the Celtics, who were incredibly deep, or the Sixers, who had Wilt Chamberlain. He played in more playoff games in the four years with the Bucks later in his career than he did in the 10 years with the Royals. The Celtics in the 60s were incredibly stacked with numerous Hall of Famers, and back then there was no free agency, so Boston could just dominate for years with no player movement. It is an interesting finding of the model here, though, that Robertson scores top three in terms of star teammate help, but bottom two in terms of overall teammate help. Now, this is driven mainly by the fact that it was a smaller league, ranging from eight to nine teams in the early 60s to only 14 teams in the late 60s. So teammates scoring under a 5, for example, were selected as an all-star or an all-NBA first-team selection scoring under a 6, as well as having a three-time MVP in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar later in his career, which brought up his total career star teammate help. This is an example where the players playing in a smaller league can get slightly punished, maybe rightfully so, and that there was a larger chance to win a championship based solely on the number of teams and talent density. Something we can look at in the future version is the percentage of star teammate help for individual player relative to the league at that time in that year. 
Combining all of his regular season metrics, Oscar Robertson ranks as the 19th best regular season player of all time. Jumping over to playoff metrics, starting with playoff PPP, the Big O ranks 46th all-time in playoff performance points, compared to 29th all-time for his regular season spot. He made the playoffs 10 of 14 years versus the other point guards who made it in the following situations. 13 years, 13 years, 12 years, and 7 years, with 7 being Steph Curry, who is still active and could catch up or pass Robertson on this metric as well. Robertson's 46th all-time ranking is good for second to last among the point guard group. His career playoff averages of 22, 9, 7, 2, and 1 on 46 and 86 splits is really impressive. He did have eight playoff triple doubles, which is good for ninth all-time in playoff triple double lists. So he did so roughly one out of every nine playoff games. He will likely be passed on this all-time playoff triple double list by Nikola Jokic, and Luka Doncic in the next few years, maybe James Harden as well. Oscar did average 39-9 and with Cincinnati, and average graded playoff performances was a 7.6, really impressive runs, but he only averaged 16-8-5 and with, with Milwaukee later in his career, and the fact that he played more career games with Milwaukee during the ages of 32-35 through 35 than he did with Cincinnati, and the fact that his average graded performances with, with Milwaukee were 6.6, which were a full point lower than Cincinnati, his playoff statistics are slightly brought down from this. He's only one of four players ever, along with LeBron James, Jerry West, and newly added Damian Lillard, to total 200 points and 60 60 assists in a playoff series. The playoff PPP metric, particularly with Robertson, is an example where the rankings are a little biased towards players who are on a better or stacked teams in that even the best players are dependent on having some help, some level of help, to get them there, to be able to accumulate longevity points for having playoff PPP. If Robertson had the help he had in Milwaukee, let's say, for his whole career, you have to imagine that Robertson's playoff PPP would be higher and not missing out on the playoffs for a few years during his prime, which will be one of our game model simulations later in the episode. This issue is why we include teammate help throughout the model to try to reduce that from playing an even larger role in the rankings. Looking at playoff peak, Oscar Robertson ranks 41st in playoff peak, performing well in his appearances, but not winning a finals MVP. His four top appearances were in his first three years and his championship run where, with the Bucks, where he scored a 7.55 and got the championship run bonus points. The 41st all-time is good for fifth among the five-point guards, so dead last on this metric. Looking at playoff PPP per year, the durability and consistency metric, Robertson ranks 19th. He ranks third of the five point guards on this metric behind one finals MVP winning point guard who we have not, who we have not yet revealed in Chris Paul. Last episode, we detailed that Carl Malone scored less in the playoffs than the regular season in terms of graded performances in 16 of 19 years. The big O, on the other hand, was about 50-50, a more normal scoring performance, outscoring his regular season score four times and tying another while performing less in five seasons. He never scored less during his Milwaukee run, though, showing that when he wasn't the main focus, he was able to operate without consistent double teams, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar being able to take some of the pressure off of him. For playoff PER, Robertson is tied for 45th in playoff PER with George Gervin and just under Carl Malone, Kevin Garnett, and Allen Iverson. His experience with Cincinnati, he scored a 24.1 PER, which is good for somewhere around the top 16 in the Magic Johnson range, but his Milwaukee experience he only averaged 18 PER, so this brought his total down as he played more games with Milwaukee 
in Cincinnati, as we mentioned earlier. The 45th all-time is good for fifth of the five-point guards, dead last again. For playoff win share per 48, Robertson is tied for 33rd on this metric with James Harden and Bill Russell. Despite being tied with his duo, he ranks last of the five-point guards again. Robertson's PER and win share per 48 in the regular season were ranked 24th and 22nd all-time, and in the playoffs, they were 45th and 33rd. So there is some slight degradation all-time here in the playoffs, but nothing substantial. Looking at playoff teammate help, the Big O ranks with the fourth lowest playoff teammate help of the top 27 with an average of 27.8 PPP. As discussed earlier in this episode, there was a drastic difference between Robertson's teams with Cincinnati and Milwaukee in terms of teammate help. Cincinnati averaged 23.9 playoff teammate help PPP. Milwaukee averaged 33.5, a difference of 9.5 PPP. A 9.5 PPP is a level that is a level where only 20 players in NBA history have scored in the playoffs, a 9.5. So just a huge difference in total teammate talent between his Cincinnati years and Milwaukee years. This fourth lowest ranking is good for the least amount of playoff help of the five point guards, which helps him relative to the other point guards in the overall game ranking. For ice or individual championships earned, what was that player's individual contribution to a championship? Oscar Robertson won a title with the Milwaukee Bucks in 1971. He scored a 7.55, which is the equivalent of a number one option in numerous runs, comparing similarly to Kobe Bryant in 2010, who scored a 7.725, Paul Pierce in 2008, who scored a 6.275, although as detailed in the Kevin Garnett episode, we can debate who was the number one option for the Celtics at that time. It does score similarly to Duncan in 2005 with a 7.725, and Chauncey Billups in 2004 with a 7.325. So Robertson's 7.55 performance is solid for a title run, but he did lose out on finals MVP to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The Milwaukee Bucks rotation was tight, only having seven players earn PPP during this run, and all scored over a 4.8. The 1971 Bucks are one of only four teams to have that depth, so seven players scoring over a 4.8, with the 1961 Celtics, the 1989 Pistons, and the 2014 Spurs. So not winning finals MVP and having this many players scoring over a 4.8, Oscar only earns 15.6% ice or 15.6% of that championship. There's only been 19 times in history where someone has scored a 7.5 or higher and earned less than 20% of a ship. Frank Ramsey, Magic Johnson, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Pau Gasol, Steph Curry have done this multiple times. Note the multiple spurs from the Duncan era on that list. Now, there is a chance that some of these players may be slightly underrated in the model, given finals MVP is worth three three points in the model, which can slightly push up the best player and slightly push down the second best player or second star. But again, this model is about getting to the best ever. So these things can impact it, but it shouldn't be material for the top five to 10 players. Looking at peak ice, winning a championship is a second option, not winning finals MVP, and being on a team with a small rotation who scored solid performances, during the finals winning team. This gives Oscar Robertson a 15.6% peak ice, good for 83rd all time. It's the third lowest ice for a player, in this case, second star or second option. So it's the third lowest ice for a player scoring over a 7.5 with Tim Duncan in 2004 and Magic Johnson in 1985. This is good though for third highest peak of the point guards in the top 27, behind only a finals winning MVP point guard who is coming later in the rankings and behind Steph Curry, who scored an 8.275, 
and a 9.05 in two of his championships run, championship runs, but he did not win the finals MVP. So Robertson scores ahead of Chris Paul, as Paul has not yet won a championship, and a really unique example for the fifth point guard, which we will detail next episode, but don't want to give it away yet, so be sure to check it out. So combining all of the playoff metrics, Oscar scores as the 33rd best playoff player ever. Running all of these rankings through the total game ranking, this gives him a final ranking of 21st all-time with a perfect player rating of 64.84. We will get into the best part of the game model, the game model simulations, where we look for answers to the game's biggest what-if questions right after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Boxed Up, a rental equipment marketplace connecting renters and owners. Boxed Up makes it easy for you to start a new business, kick off a new hobby, or try out something new. No more renting stuff from people you don't know or driving across town to the big box rental house. Boxed Up has both highly curated kits or a la carte items for those in the know. This podcast is recorded using Boxed Up equipment, and I highly recommend their services, as it's made both the podcasting and video recording process much smoother. For rentals delivered to your door, go to www.tryboxedup.com. Welcome back to the episode ranking the 21st best player ever, Oscar Robertson. Now let's get into the game model simulations. The first game model simulation we run is, what if Oscar Robertson wins a championship as the lead guy in Cincinnati? A bit of background here. The year is 1963, and Big O's Royals were facing the Russell-era Celtics, who had nine Hall of Famers among the 11 players that played in the series. The Royals had three. The Celtics had won four championships in a row, five of the last six, and had made it to the finals in six straight years. They would go on to make 12 of 13 finals between 1957 to 1969, winning 11 of them. Needless to say, Robertson Roy- Robertson's Royals were not the favorites. The Royals, however, were up 2-1 in the series and would push the Celtics to seven games. In Game 7, the Big O would put up 43-6-6 on 46% shooting, while shooting 21 of 22 from the free throw line, playing every second of the game, and on the way to averaging 33, 12, and 9 on 49 and 90 splits over the full seven-game series. So what happens if the Royals flipped the four-point Game 7 halftime deficit to a win? Given the Celtics would go on to beat the Lakers in six, we are going to assume the Royals would have done the same thing given they went seven with the eventual champs. We update the model to change the Eastern Conference Finals champs and NBA Finals champs from the Celtics to the Royals and Finals MVP winner from Bill Russell to Oscar Robertson. Robertson would win Finals MVP and his ice and peak ice would increase. He would earn 28.5% ice, which would be ninth highest ice of all time, just under Michael Jordan and Shaq, and above LeBron, Wilt, and Bird's peak. Robertson would jump from 21st to 16th with this finals win and finals MVP in this scenario with the increased playoff points, peak, playoff PPP per year, ice, and peak ice. The next game model simulation we do is what if Oscar Robertson didn't miss the playoffs in the three years prior to going to Milwaukee? We will investigate this now. Robertson unfortunately only made the playoffs in 10 of his 14 years, as we discussed earlier, compared to the other point guards most of which made it 12 and 13 times, respectively. What happens if Robertson made it those three years towards the end of his Royals tenure? We update the model to reflect this, adding in three years at his average playoff performance. 
Doing so at this performance level actually doesn't change his ranking on the longevity metric, despite making the playoffs less than the other point guards. But adding three years at 8.5 score performances, which is slightly below his peak, 8.55 performance, but significantly above his prior three playoff runs. So this is a bit of a stretch, but theoretically possible. In this scenario, increasing his playoff longevity and peak slightly, the Big O jumps one spot from 21st all-time to 20th all-time. So a somewhat limited impact in this game model simulation. The last scenario game model simulation we will run is what if Oscar Robertson won the finals MVP instead of Kareem? In this scenario, we update the finals MVP from Kareem, who averaged 27, 19, and 3, to Oscar, who averaged 24, 10, and 5. Doing so takes Oscar from the 21st all-time best player to the 20th all-time best player. Just a jump of one spot. The finals MVP win takes the Big O's peak ice from 15.6% to 21.9%. It's a limited impact because of the deep contributions the 1971 Milwaukee team had, as we mentioned earlier in the episode. Comparing this to Steph Curry's 2015 Finals MVP game model simulation example, where winning the Finals MVP would have taken Steph from 27th to 21st, a jump of six, Oscar's one-spot jump is quite small. This is due to the fact that the Bucks' next five scorers outside of Steph and Oscar beat the Warriors 32.84 PPP to 27.71. When expanded to the next six, it goes from 37.7 to 30.6. So the Warriors score lower than the Bucks in terms of overall team PPP, and the opportunity for Steph to earn a higher share of ice is increased. Steph would have went from 18.8 to 25.7, whereas Oscar would have gone from 15.6 to 21.9. This finding tells us that having more teammate help makes the finals MVP slightly diluted since the team performed well all around in Oscar's case, whereas Steph's team, while very good, didn't score as highly as the 71 bucks. This is what we want the model to do, as someone carrying a team to a championship should have the opportunity to score higher on ice and peak ice relative to stars who had more help, and those that had more help should share the ice or peak ice uh, individual championships earned relatively evenly. So to recap this episode, Oscar Robertson was highly respected by his peers, many of whom rank high on everyone's all-time list, the game model included. He was the original big guard in triple-double king. He earned an MVP, won a championship, and performed well on most metrics. Finished 19th in regular season all-time ranking and 33rd in the playoffs all-time ranking. While he finished in the game model as the 21st best player ever, with a few things going his way, he could have ended up somewhere in the top 15 to 16 range. With that, thank you for listening to this episode, and be sure to check out number 20 next. Leave a review with the simulation you'd like to see, and I'll pick one every month to include in a bonus episode or incorporate into an existing one. Also, subscribe and hop over to the Hoop Games on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube to let me know your basketball thoughts.